Well, welcome and good morning to Faith Brook Church. It is so good to be with you, whether you're here on campus, whether you're watching online or you're watching later on demand, I wanna welcome you. My name is Brendan Burnt. I'm the pastor of student ministries here at Faith Brook Church, and I am so glad that you are with us here today. If you are a guest, or if this is your first time here in a very long time, I wanna welcome you as well. And I wanna invite you to fill out a connection card. If you're online, you can go to faithbrook.church forward slash guest. Or if you are here in person, you can reach into the seat back in front of you and grab our blue connection card. We just wanna be able to connect with you and get to know you better. And for every connection card that we receive, we will be making a $5 donation to Cross because we love new people and we love partnering with local outreach organizations. Here at Faithbrook, our mission is to love God, love people, and journey together. And a great way that we believe that you can be a part of the mission is by getting connected. There are so many ways to do that here at Faithbrook, and one of which I'm gonna be talking about this week is volunteering. We have so many different ministries and opportunities here at Faithbrook that cover a variety of skills and passions that you may have, and we would love to see you use them here at Faithbrook. And while doing so, getting connected with more of the Faithbrook family. The best way to get signed up and join a volunteer team to partner with people who have similar passions and interests to you is through the Church Center app. If you've already got an account with us, go ahead and navigate to the volunteer page. If you don't, go to your respective app store. You can grab the Church Center app and it's going to walk you through how to create an account. And if you're here in person, what you can do is you can go into the seat back in front of you and grab one of these red Next Steps cards. It's just gonna ask for a bit of information and then we will reach out to you and help you find that community of people here at Faithbrook that you can volunteer with. Well, we are going to keep going in our series, First Things First, and I wanna welcome to the platform, Pastor Mike Delgallo. Well, before I got married, I was warned by a lot of my married friends that I should get ready for the in-laws. Now, just, it just seemed that most of my friends had just a terrible relationship with their in-laws, and it just heard countless stories of terrible interactions and even ways of what they would, uh, things that they would do in order to avoid their in-laws when they're at family um, interactions and uh, whatnot. And so they, uh, they always uh, told me about these terrible stories, and so I uh, was, uh, prepared myself for these terrible interactions for my future as well. And in fact, the, the stories were so bad that uh, it just kind of felt like it was more of a chore to be around people, uh, be around their in-laws as opposed to, uh, as to not. Now, I don't know about you, but um, I'm not going to ask you if you get along with your in-laws or not. I'm not going to out you like that. But uh, maybe you can secretly uh, identify with me, uh, uh, maybe identify with that. Or maybe you have uh, someone in your life. I think we all have someone in which uh, we know that there's a difficult person, and they are just hard to love on. I think we all have someone who we, uh, we interact with maybe on a, a daily, maybe even a weekly basis, and whom it's just a, it's almost a chore to be around them. It's difficult. They're draining. And uh, there's a myriad of reasons why this is, and I, I think you can fill in your own blanks on why these people are hard to uh, be around, but you just, uh, just, they just are, and uh, I think that's just uh, part of life. 
So we think. Now, I think for most of us here, we're Minnesotans, and uh, we, we figure that if we have a backhanded comment or maybe if we're passive-aggressive towards them, we're not directly telling them that we don't want to be around them, but at least by our passive-aggressive comments, they can know that we really don't want to be around them. Now, here at Faithbrook, obviously, we don't have these kinds of problems, right? I mean, we, we all get along with each other so well. Uh, we all believe the same things. In fact, uh, we're just a harmonious collective of people who are like-minded and never disagree on anything, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, it is difficult to, to love difficult people. And I think for most of us, after we spend time with difficult people, We can feel drained. We feel like we spent a lot of energy. It's not life-giving. And in fact, maybe you're even asking the question, man, that was just excruciating. And maybe even during the time you're with them, you're asking, when will this time even end? Now, as God has created us for uh, relationships and to be in relationship with other people, we have to ask ourselves, you know, is this what God has really intended for us? That we would have some people in our lives which uh, we love to be around and we just have to navigate and we have to identify those people we want. And I'm not quite sure God has designed it to be that way. Well, welcome back to our series called um, First Things First. And it is so good that we could be here on site, online, and even for those of you watching later, on demand as well. Well, and man, is it not so cold outside? Being a native from Southern California, I am kind of getting used to it. And I figure you just wear the clothes and you can traverse and make it here. So, so good to have everyone here uh, together. Well, as we continue our series called First Things First, this is a series all about identifying and fulfilling our purpose. And we find that when we have a purpose, it changes our perspective, and that perspective affects how we live. Now, if we don't have a purpose in our life, uh, we find ourselves living an unfulfilled life. Uh, And this is uh, partly because most of us live through our lives through different lenses. And as we uh, look through our various lenses, those lenses are shaped by different circumstances. And that could be uh, life, uh, life experiences. It could be the people we interact with and even the culture in which we live around. And uh, because of that, uh, our lenses shape the world how we see, and in, in, in turn, it shapes in a course of how we live. Because how we see affects how we live. And the only way that we can change how we can see is to give ourselves a new perspective and in a lot of ways is to have a godly purpose in our lives. Well, thank goodness, because God does have a general purpose for each and every one of us, and he wants to give us a new perspective, one that is uh, one that would be able to shape the way in which we, we live. Now, I want to uh, make sure uh, to qualify this with that we're not going to be talking about um, a specific purpose for us, uh, so it's not going to be talking about about uh, what is your specific calling that God may have for you. That could be a discussion for another time. But this is more about uh, discussing what is our general purpose for each and every one of us. What's the purpose that God has for our lives that can help set a direction to give us a, a set of lenses to see through that despite the circumstances and despite the things in our lives that we can uh, live one that is fulfilling. Now, one of the pur- places that we find this uh, purpose in the Bible is through the book of Romans. Now, this book was written by the Apostle Paul, 
And he was writing to some uh, new Christians who were in Rome. And like you and me, they didn't have much of a Jewish background. So they didn't know much about the uh, Jewish, uh, they knew some of the customs, but they didn't really know the ins and outs. And so he was writing them a letter to teach them about the basics of theology and to uh, give them uh, a heads up of uh, who God is, uh, what is sin, uh, even who Jesus is. And he knew that uh, with, a, with this theology, that if they had a proper theology, that in turn, that would not be enough. He knew that they also needed to have a purpose as well, that with this newfound information and with this new life in Christ, that they uh, would in turn need to know what the direction that God would have for them to live a, a fulfilling life. And in fact, when he comes to the chapter 12, he, he basically says, okay, here's, here's a few things I want you to know. Here's a, here's a few things that if you were to live these out, this would be a purpose that you can live for your life and it would be fulfilling. And he says, if you could do these few things, if you could live these few things out, and he writes this in verse two, he says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. He's saying, if you do these few things, if you do the few things, then you're going to know what God's will and God's purpose is for your life, and you will be able to have a filling life, a life of one that God has for you. And so for this series, uh, what, we, what we see is that when we are able to put first things first, when we put the first things first, we fulfill our purpose. And when we put first things first, we fulfill, we fulfill our purpose. And when we have a purpose... It gives us a whole new perspective, and through that, we're able to see things differently. We see things in a new light, and we uh, live differently as well. And that's why it's important to get these first things first so we can have this purpose, because it affects everything that we do. Now, last week, as we kicked off the series, we uh, looked at the first couple of verses, and we uh, found out that fulfilling our purpose starts with living, uh, loving God holistically. And last week was all about loving God uh, not only with our uh, minds, but also with our bodies and everything that we do. So everything that we are to do, we are to do so in which a way that we are loving God. And uh, out of this, we see that faith wasn't just, is not supposed to be a, a part of our life. It's supposed to encompass every part of our life. Now this week, as we continue, we're going to uh, look at another component of living out our purpose, and namely it's in a, uh, looking at how we are to treat our fellow human beings. And as we see this in how, uh, what God has for us, that we see that it's not only the people that we enjoy being around, but those difficult people as well. So I want to encourage you, if you have an analog Bible, uh, to go and pull that out. Uh, we're going to be in Romans chapter 12. Uh, you can also go to the YouVersion Bible app. You uh, don't have that on the phone. Uh, download that because that thing is awesome. There's uh, so many good things there. I do my daily Bible reading from there every day. So we're going to be, I uh, want to encourage you to get that. And we're going to be in Romans chapter, chapter 12. Now, as you're, you're going there and you're finding your way there, I'm going to give you a bit of a warning. Uh, as uh, Paul goes, uh, gets going in here, he's pretty blunt. He's just right in your face. Uh, he does have some poetic language, uh, some vivid uh, word pictures as we will see, but his content is just right there and right in front. So I just want to prepare you for that right now. So this is what he says. He writes here in verse 9, and he says, Love must be sincere. Love must be sincere. Notice, notice how he comes out at this that it's not an option. It's not if you love, be sincere, or when you love, be sincere. It's love must be sincere. And this word love uh, is an interesting word in the Greek. For, uh, in the Greek language, there are many different words for love. In English, we only have one. It's love. And that could just mean a, a myriad of things, depending on the context in, in which we are saying it. But for, uh, for the Greeks, they have uh, four different words for love. And uh, in this context, it's uh, the word called agape. And, in, and what that means is unconditional love. 
And unconditional love is the kind of love that uh, loves what it is unconditionally, despite circumstances, despite whatever goes on, that uh, one person would love another person un, uh, unconditionally or with this agape love. And it's the same kind of love that God has for us. And, what, uh, and in this context, Paul's saying is that you should have this agape love as well. And notice what he says, this, says uh, this agape love, you should love unconditionally, and it must be sincere. Uh, this is a, uh, this uh, idea is that it, it really comes from your heart. Another good word for it is to be genuine. It's something that's heartfelt. Uh, it's free from deceit. So that means it doesn't uh, come with strings attached. And so what Paul is laying out right from the get-go is he, he's saying this. He's saying that love isn't love if it isn't real. Love isn't love if it isn't real. You see, fulfilling our purpose and uh, continues when we love others uh, genuinely or heartfelt. And as we seek to, to fulfill this, uh, this purpose, it, it can't be done without loving others around us. And not only is that done, but it's done unconditionally, and it's a heartfelt kind of love. Now, Paul continues this thought, and he continues in this verse, and this is what he says. He says, uh, not only must love be sincere, but he says to hate what is evil and to cling to what is good. Now, it's a really uh, cool picture here because the, in hating what's evil, this, really this uh, idea that you are to toss away or to throw aside things that are evil. Uh, it's not just uh, put it away and step away, but it's you're getting rid of it. And uh, uh, inversely, he's talking about uh, that we are to cling to what is good. So things that are good, we are to hold to, we are to adhere to, uh, almost uh, in, a same, in a way, fasten ourselves to them. Now, as, you, as we kind of read this, it's a little interesting that he's talking about having sincere love, and then he says, well, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. What's that have to do with love? Well, this is what Paul's trying to get at. What he's saying is, when you, when you hate the things, uh, hate things that are evil, and you love things that are good, he's saying that those things that we intake are the things that in, uh, affect a part of our lives. So, when we, when we don't care about the things that we take in, we, uh, in some ways, we're not caring about what we, uh, how they affect us. You see, a lot of times, we don't think about the content that we intake. We don't think about the books we're reading. We don't th uh, think about the shows we watch. Uh, maybe even uh, just the different uh, things we interact with, the social media, people that we follow, things that we see. We, we're not necessarily aware of how those things are affecting us and our heart. And what Paul is really getting at is saying, he's saying to be aware. Be aware of these things that you're taking in because they do affect you and they affect the way in which you can love. I think sometimes if we were just to take a moment to think about those things, you know, if you were to think about what you ingest on a, uh, in a weekly basis, you know, are the things that you're taking in, how, how are they shaping your heart? How are they shaping you to love those around you unconditionally? You see, the things we fill our heart with really do shape how we love. And we see that love isn't love uh, if it isn't real. Now, Paul, Paul continues and he says, okay, so uh, you can do this. You can uh, to love those that are easy to love, like your family members, some of them. Uh, but he says uh, you should also love those who are unlovable as well. And he has two main uh, ideas of how we can go about to have this real kind of love. And the first one he breaks into, and he says this in verse 10. He says, to be devoted to one another in love and to honor one another above yourselves. You know, this word of de devoted uh, really means uh, kind of like a mutual love. It's almost like one that uh, parents would have with a child or maybe uh, what spouses would have towards one another. 
And this word love here is a different word for love. It's not the same as the one previously. This word is a phileo. And what that means is a brotherly or sisterly love. So as you can put it together, uh, as Philadelphia is named the city of brotherly love, that's where it gets it from. And so this idea is that you're supposed to have this unconditional love and you are to uh, be devoted to one another uh, in this brotherly, uh, brotherly, sisterly kind of love. And then he says that you should also honor one another above yourselves. Now, honor, honor is interesting as well because what that means is to give someone else preferential treatment. That would mean that when you're going up to a door and you both arrive at the same time, that you would actually open the door for them and allow them in first, that you would give them the, the seat of honor in some ways in the way of, of preference. And so what Paul is really uh, saying is here that is our mindset matters. The way in which we approach love, the way we approach other people, our mindset is what makes the difference. You see, loving others really starts when we have a proper mindset. I think a lot of times when we think about love, we think about the emotional com uh, component of it. We think about the butterfly feelings uh, that, we, that we might have. But a lot of time, it's not so much about what we feel, but it's really about our attitude towards uh, other people. I want to say that feelings and emotions are great. Feelings and emotions are good. But when we let those drive the way in which we love others, I think we tend to miss the mark. I think there's a lot of times where mindset comes in because there's uh, so many times where we just don't feel like loving someone else. You know, maybe you got in an argument with someone or maybe they did something to disrespect you or maybe uh, you said something that was unloving. And at that moment, it's those times where we don't feel like loving someone else. And it's out of this where Paul is making the point that this is why the mindset matters is because despite those circumstances, despite those things that are happening, we are to have a mindset in which we are to love others unconditionally uh, no matter what. And when we have a proper mindset, uh, we will be devoted. We will have uh, to honor others. It doesn't matter what they do, but then it matters what we do and how we go about loving other people. Well, Paul continues in, uh, with this line of thinking, and he, he then says this. He says, to never be lacking in zeal, but keeping your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Now, this lacking in zeal is a, a really cool uh, phrase that's strung together because this lacking is really this kind of a sluggish. It's almost like you're dragging your feet, uh, almost sloth-like. And zeal is the complete opposite. Zeal is this idea of having diligence or you're striving after. You have this earnestness. Uh, it's almost this uh, difference of waking up on Monday morning to go to your job and then uh, paralleled with waking up on the first day of vacation. We definitely, uh, for some of us, we wake up differently on Monday morning than we do on the first day of vacation. And so what Paul, what Paul is saying is that he's saying that as you sincerely and as you are genuinely loving others, don't drag your feet about it. He's saying don't, don't be dragging your feet. In fact, yeah, you should be diligent. You should be diligent in when you go for loving other people. And then he says to, uh, he says to keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. And what, he, what he's saying is uh, uh, this is picture of this boiling hot. Uh, if you can think of something that's really hot. And he's saying you're, you're, uh, you're serving and the way you go about it, the attitude should be so hot. It should be on fire. And you should be going about it as if you were serving the Lord. Now, if you were with us last week, uh, that would have, uh, this connects because this is all about what uh, Paul said last week in that everything that we do is to do out of uh, love for God. That everything that we do is to uh, love him. 
He's saying, likewise, in the same way, how we go about, how we go about loving others should be as if we are loving the Lord. This is, he, uh, he then continues at verse 12. He says to also be uh, joyful in hope. He says to be patient in affliction and faithful in, in prayer. And he says, in, in all these things, he says, not only for you personally, but as you are with one another, uh, is this the kind of attitude and the mindset that you have as you, as you are hanging out with these people? And he says the mindset's so important because our, our mindset it really sets up the stage for everything else that we do. When we have the proper mindset, it then can affect our actions. And that's why he then goes into the next portion. He's, he go, then goes into why it's so important, how we can actually practically live it out. Paul says in verse 13, he says to share with the Lord's people who are in need. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Notice again the direct command right there. The, uh, this isn't a when you share or if you share. It's a, it's a share. It's almost an expectation that if you're going to love on others, you're going to be sharing uh, with uh, the Lord's people. And the Lord's people would be uh, fellow Christians, be uh, fellow people who are at Faith Brook, maybe other people in your life group, uh, those people. And uh, the people who are uh, in need are just uh, who are in want, who are people that, that need something. Are we willing to share those things with them? And, and what Paul's really setting the, the stage for, he's saying, not only does your mindset matter, he says, but your mindset's going to drive what you do. And he says, our actions matter. He says, our actions matter as well. And loving others means that we're going to take action in the things that we do. And I think a lot of times if we think about the stuff that we have and the things that we do own, we, uh, we, we have a, uh, almost this mind, mind, mind mentality, right? We have the sense that we say, hey, I, I've earned these things. I've, uh, I've gotten them. They are mine, and they are they're the things that I have. I spent my hard-earned money on it. And a lot of times we, we don't think about sharing with what we have. I think another, uh, another way we sometimes go about it is we say, well, I don't have enough. I don't have anything to share. I don't have any excess. I have just what I have. And what Paul is really getting at is saying, it doesn't matter if you have a, a lot or a little. The fact is you have something. What is your heart in this? And are you willing to share even the things that you do have? And are you willing to love on other people with the things that you do have and the things that God has blessed you with? Indeed, our actions do matter. So Paul then lays out a couple, uh, a couple examples on how we can do this. He says, uh, first he says, to practice hospitality. And I think this can uh, stir up some emotions for some of us. But these, uh, this phrase is really fascinating because this idea of practicing uh, is this word of to uh, run swiftly or to diligently pursue something. And hospitality uh, really means to love or entertain, entertain strangers. So what Paul is essentially saying, he's saying you are to run after and to love on strangers. And not only we to have fellow love on the Christians around us, but on those who aren't Christians as well and maybe even don't have faith in Christ. And I think a lot of times we, we think of this idea of hospitality and a picture comes to mind. And I think most of us think about this idea of opening up your home, this idea of uh, saying, hey, we're going to have some people over, maybe multiple people over, we'll have dinner, uh, maybe they'll spend, spend the night. Uh, I know here at Faithbrook, we have a huge heart for hospitality. In fact, we love and expect when new guests show up, uh, we expect people to come and we welcome them in with open arms. In fact, that's one of the main reasons why we have coffee is because 
because it's just a, a little way that we can say, hey, we're expecting you, and this, uh, go ahead and have a cup of coffee on us, and you can just come, you can sit back, you can relax, because we know that if they feel welcomed and they feel loved on, we know that uh, they have a better chance and a better opportunity to encounter and experience Jesus who can radically change their life. So we, that's why we here at Faithbrook uh, do that. But I think for us, as we think about this idea of hospitality, some of us get excited, some of us don't. And uh, we might uh, say things like, you know, I just, my home's not big enough. I don't have enough space. Or maybe, ooh, I haven't had time to clean up. I can't have people over. Uh, or maybe we just say, I, I just don't want people invading my space. But I think Paul is getting at a, a different concept in this idea of practicing hospitality. I think what he's, he's getting at is he's asking the question of where, what is your heart towards people who are strange to you? What is your heart towards people who are strange to you? So not only just people that maybe you don't know, but maybe there's people in your life that are just strange. They're awkward. They're difficult. What's your heart towards them? It doesn't take long as if you're reading through the Gospels and you see Jesus' interaction with a lot of people. We see that he was uh, around strange people all the time. In fact, he invited them to dine with them and he hung out with them quite often. And so what Paul is saying, he's saying, are you going to be the kind of person? Are you going to be the kind of person that when a strange person is uh, with you, are they going to walk away feeling like they've encountered Jesus? Or are they going to be thinking something else? Are you going to be the kind of person that whoever interacts with you, they feel like they have interacted with Jesus himself? Now, this kind of ties into the next verse, and he says this. He says, you are to bless those who persecute you, and you are to bless and not curse. Now, uh, a lot of times I, uh, uh, we, we look at these things and we go, okay, yeah, maybe we have people persecuting, but we really don't have that here. But here, here's what he's trying to say. He's saying, he's saying that you are to bless those people who are chasing after and running after you. Who are those people in your life that are coming after you? Now, maybe we're not literally having a persecution, but I think there's a lot of people in our life, or maybe a few people in our life, who maybe we have a rival with. Maybe this is a person who's at a work, they're a coworker, and in everything that we do, it just seems like they, uh, they tend to get the hand up on us no matter what happens. So there's a new promotion up, and you and this other person are up for it, and the boss gives it to, to them. Or maybe there's a, a deadline, and whoever can get it done first will get a reward. Well, dang it, they just beat you out by a little bit. And so what, what Paul is saying is that uh, would you be willing to bless those people even who are your rivals? Would you be willing to bless those people even as they upstage you? And he kind of wraps everything up, and he says this in verse 15. He says, to rejoice with those who rejoice and to mourn with those who mourn. And I think sometimes as we, uh, as we think about rejoicing with other people, notice that keyword with, we rejoice with other people. Sometimes we have the, uh, the mindset that we say, oh, man, they got it and I didn't. Well, I think sometimes, you know, what would it be if you were to actually rejoice with people when, when they succeed and not be so down because you didn't get it, but be able to celebrate with them as they are having a celebration. And even on uh, the like side with uh, mourning with those who mourn, a lot of times we get a little awkward around people who are, are mourning and we get really awkward and people are hurting and sometimes we just don't know how to interact with them. You know, is our, is our mindset sometimes one of, man, they're hurting, but sure, good thing it's not me. See, I think our, our culture here in the United States, we have such a great culture of celebration. In fact, we have uh, celebrations for just about anything, anytime, anywhere. We can celebrate it, and we uh, make a party out of it. But we're not so good at mourning. 
We're not so good at when people are hurting to sit with them. We're not so good at just being with people when they are, when they are in a, a time of crisis or pain. I think for a lot of times we, uh, we come to the conclusion that it's just hard. It's difficult. It's difficult to sit with someone because we don't know how to respond. We don't know how to react. And we don't really sit with and we don't mourn with them. We don't really feel the sadness with them. If you read in uh, the Old Testament, the book of Job, the, uh, there's a, a guy who had everything in the world and had everything taken away. In fact, he had uh, major, uh, major sickness and illness. And he, uh, he's, as he was uh, in his deepest moments, he, uh, the whole book is about the story of these three friends of his who come and just sit with him. And it's this whole story of how, how they sit with him and process with him through his pain as he was mourning uh, the loss of uh, all his uh, things. And I, and I think a lot of times we, we don't have that culture of this. Uh, for the Jewish culture, it was a, they had a huge mourning culture. In fact, they would take about 40 days to mourn. And a lot of times the friends or family members would be with them, would sit with them uh, for 40 days, and they would uh, mourn with them and help them grieve this, uh, their process of uh, what they had lost. Now, I'm not saying that maybe we should take 40 days to mourn, but uh, what I am saying is uh, what would it look like if we did take time to mourn with people? to sit with them in their uh, times of hurting and their times of pain, to actually be uh, with them uh, when they are hurting. As, you know, despite what others do to us, despite whatever uh, happens, and despite the relationships we have with people, and no matter how difficult that relationship is, I think what we can see here is that uh, what Paul and what Christ calls us to is that we are to love others despite the circumstances. I think sometimes, as we're, uh, if you're on Facebook, it's really easy to see uh, some people crying out for help. We can see some people who are posting things that are going on, and we just click that little care button, that little hug in the heart thing, and we say, okay, that's good. I did my part and moved on. Now, I'm not saying that's not good, but sometimes we just leave it at that. What would it look like to take a next step, to take initiative, to reach out and to physically care and to support for someone in, in need? Now, as we uh, look at this whole concept of uh, loving others uh, and having a real love for other people, it definitely can be uh, uh, daunting, especially as we think about those troublesome people in our lives. And I think even as we think about some friends, sometimes we have friends who, uh, who, uh, who we have that it's just, it can be difficult to have because sometimes they're just tough. And sometimes it's just easier to sit back and be lazy and just assume someone else is going to do something. But I think what we have seen is that part of God's purpose for us is to love others with a real kind of love. So here's a, uh, here's a challenge for us as we uh, go on for this next week, as we think about uh, what it looks like to love others. This is a, a question I want you to ask yourself and to think about. And uh, the next step is this, is, is uh, which aspect of real love do you need to work on? What's an aspect of uh, real love do you need to work on this, this next week? You know, maybe, maybe you're in the boat where you don't have a proper mindset. Maybe, maybe you're in a place where uh, you just go through motions and you just do it because you think you, you have to. But what would it look like to shift your, to shift your mindset? To really have one where you're going to unconditionally love on other people in your life, despite whatever happens, despite whatever they do to you, that you would love on them, that you would uh, be able to honor them and be devoted to them despite what they do to you. 
You know, maybe, uh, maybe you need to take, uh, learn what it is to take action. Maybe uh, you need to actually do something. So you have a good mindset, but maybe you need to actually take action in, in loving others uh, this next week. You know, maybe, uh, maybe you have an opportunity to, uh, for you guys out there, maybe you can get flowers. You know, uh, maybe there's uh, something that you can actually do to show your love uh, towards someone and take action in it. And I think a big thing here out of all this is, is what we find is that how we treat our fellow human beings uh, really has a significant impact, not only uh, in our, for our purpose, but also for our, our fulfillment in life as well. If we take a moment just to think about our interactions with people whom we don't really like, we tend to walk away from that more drained. We tend to walk away you know, thinking, man, I just wasted some time, or man, this is just a real big bummer. But what if it didn't have to be that way? What if you could walk away from any relationship or any relational situation, and although it may be draining, although it may be taxing, that you're willing to love on them regardless of what the circumstances are? Well, almost seven years ago, when I was in Southern California, I was helping my next-door neighbor buy a new car, and her parents actually came out to visit to see the, the new car. Now, I got to meet them for a few minutes, and I thought it was pretty cool of them to uh, come from the Midwest and to come check out this new car and to celebrate with her this uh, new purchase. And uh, little did I know that two years later, uh, these cool, nice, great people would eventually become my in-laws. Yeah, true story. (laughs) Now, I... Honestly, I've been blessed with amazing in-laws. It's easy to love on them. They're in the easy category for me. But uh, there are people in my life. There are people in my own life where they, they are hard. They're challenging uh, relationships. They're challenging people to, to love on. Uh, and not if the person isn't challenging. Sometimes even the situation can be tough. But this is, uh, this is for me, this, uh, this message has been hit home because if love isn't love, it isn't real. So if I don't have a real love, then what am I doing? And I think for us, uh, we have to ask ourselves the same question as well, that Christ loved us with a love that was so real. He was willing to go to the cross, and he did go to the cross for our sins. And, and I think for us, you know, uh, we don't necessarily need to go to a cross for people every day, but God does call us to, to love others. He does call us to, to love them, and, and with that, to have a, a different mindset and to have a, uh, have a heart to which we want to move and respond in action. You know, how, how different would Faithbrook look? How, how different would our church look if any person in our community were to interact with a person from Faithbrook and walk away and say, man, those Faithbrook people are awesome? How, how do you think that would not only impact our church, but how do you think that would impact our community? I honestly think that that kind of interaction, we would have an incredible church. I think uh, God would be moving in incredible ways just by the way in which we would love those around us. Because when we learn to put these first things first, we begin to have a purpose in our life, and that purpose changes our perspective radically. And that perspective really does change how we live and how we live our everyday life. So with that, let's go ahead and stand together as we pray together this morning. And I would love to pray a prayer blessing over you as you, uh, as you go and as you're thinking about how you can... Uh, Love others uh, in a real way this next week. So let us pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your love. Thank you so much for uh, you loving us in in such a real and tangible way that you would uh, go to the cross for our sins. And not only that, but you would resurrect that we may have new life in you. 
And God, may, may, we have, uh, may we have just a snippet of that this next week. May we just get a glimpse of that, and may we live that out this next week. May we uh, have a, a kind of love which, uh, which honors and devotes to other people. May our mindset be shifted this week. And we also just see that our, our actions matter as well. May we live those out. May your spirit encourage us as we go through this week. So we thank you, Jesus, for um, who you are and the things that you're doing, and may you empower us as we believe. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, it's so good to be with you today. I look forward to uh, hearing from you throughout the week on our Faithbrook Online webpage, and also see you uh, next week. See you later. Bye-bye.